you or someone you love needs help for an addiction, where do you turn? Foundations Recovery Network offers individualized treatment for the whole person. Our goal goes beyond short-term sobriety. We address substance abuse and co-occurring mental health issues together, providing a firm foundation for long-term recovery. The first step is often the hardest, but we're here with a free assessment, insurance information, and treatment options. Our confidential helpline is available 24-7, so call 877-714-1318 and discover the Foundation's Recovery Network difference today. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. What's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in and thanks to you for supporting the show. It's great to bring you Sober Guy Radio from the East Bay Area up in Northern California. Thank you to everybody for supporting the recovery movement. Um, It's an honor to always be a part of it and uh, to represent uh, sobriety and addiction recovery and life change and all kinds of cool things going on, trying to be better human beings and and better people. So uh, thank you again for supporting us. A couple of announcements, and then we're going to get into our uh, show today with a good buddy of mine and a great, great person, great man that um, I'm juiced to talk to, and we'll introduce him in just a moment. Uh, Sober Guy Radio will be podcasting live from the Innovations and Recovery Conference, and that's down in San Diego, California. That's April 3rd through the 6th at Hotel Del Coronado. Now, it's official that we'll be going live with a live chat where you can interact with questions, with comments, um, you know, and 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 really engage and have some thoughts in, in that chat room while we're, we are uh, recording live there. Uh, so the live show will be taking place April 3rd and the 4th. That's a Monday and a Tuesday. And that'll be from 9 a.m. to noon Pacific time. So if you go to that soberguy.com, you can get the live player there. And um, and and you can also click on the foundations button on there, and you can set a reminder for the event if you'd like to uh, to get a little quick reminder of when that date is. And uh, thanks to Foundations, of course, for hosting the event as well as inviting us down there uh, to do some live podcasting. If you'd like more information about the event specifically, you can go to foundationsevents.com slash innovations in recovery. All right. This next thing is uh, a a local announcement, actually. So if you're a dude in the Northern California area and you're looking for a great event to connect with other like-minded dudes who are hungry for the word of God, as well as being great leaders and great men, you can check out the Iron Sharpens Iron Conference at the Mission in Vacaville. That's April 1st, and uh, it's a one-day men's conference, and uh, it's designed to equip um, men in the ages 13 and up from all over Northern California uh, to help them grow in their faith uh, and to network with each other and to recharge. Uh, there's going to be some awesome keynote uh, speakers there, two of them in particular, former U.S. Navy SEAL and the author of the book, Seal of God, Chad Williams and uh, Pastor Glenn Barteau. And uh, Pastor Glenn, if I slaughtered your last name, I apologize about that. But he's the author of Christianity Life, and he's also the lead pastor at the house in Modesto, California. 
Um, ladies out there listening, this goes for you too. You know, us dudes can be lazy sometimes and wait till the last minute. So you can always buy your husband or significant other a ticket, uh, kick him in the butt and tell him to go to the iron sharpens iron conference and get some. So for more information or to get a ticket, go to isinorcal.com. That's isinorcal, one word.com. Um, one of the tools I use transitions daily to daily AA email delivered right to my inbox. It's a great way to start your day and uh, definitely a great way to start mine. It takes me about five minutes to read. I get that with a couple of daily Bible verses sent to me and it's ready to go first thing in the morning to uh, kind of help connect me and get my mindset. So if you'd like to get the daily AA email, go to dailyaaemails.com and you can get more information there. Today's guest is Trevor Reisinger and a good friend of mine and also a, a great spiritual mentor, a great man. Um, we're going to get to him in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about a new treatment program, DXRX. DXRX provides access to alcohol treatment, to alcohol specialists, safe medication, and ongoing monitoring for people who want to stop or reduce their drinking. And it's all done through a simple phone app. So here's what will happen on your first appointment. Before you start the program, you can take a test. It's going to assess your alcohol drinking, um, kind of see where you're at. And uh, if you're thinking about if you have a problem, chances are that you just might because normal people who uh, who don't drink too much usually don't question if they have a problem. So you may want to check that out. You can do that. And then before you, if, before you actually started the program, you'd meet with a physician who's a specialist in addiction and he'll discuss any goals uh, for your drinking, your health history, any concerns and uh, then create you a personalized care plan. They monitor your progress with the breathalyzer and the DXRX mobile app. And uh, the physician will also recommend safe, effective, non-habit forming medicine that'll help ease the alcohol cravings. Um, that can be tough sometimes, the whole detox period, and uh, it's not fun. Um, the DXRX team is a great group of doctors and professionals. They're from right here in the Bay Area in Northern California. Jess and I met with them personally. Um, saw some of the amazing things they were doing and decided to partner with them and uh, really help promote uh, the product. So uh, for more information, go to thatsoberguy.com. You'll see the DXRX logo, Stronger Than Alcohol. Click on the logo to get started today. All right. Trevor Reisinger. What's up, man? How are What's you? What's up, man? I'm doing good. <laughs> How you been? I've been good, man. It's great to have you. Uh, it's a pleasure. We're, uh, we're hanging out today. And, uh, we're gonna, uh, gonna get into some good, uh, some good convo, I hope. And, uh, I know being on the microphone is your favorite thing to do, right? <laughs> yep. All the time, man. <laughs> All the time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. You got, you have, uh, you have a family, um, you have a, a, a great testimony, a great story, man. You've been through, uh, been through a lot of things in your, in your life. And we're going to get into some of that today. Um, we're also going to talk about, uh, about your your spiritual walk, man, and I know that's a that's a big uh, big part of uh, of your life today, man. So yeah. um, why don't we kind of get to know you a bit? Yeah, I'm a I'm a married man of uh, 15 years coming up, and pretty soon here, and uh, just you know, amazing family. I got three little kids, and my oldest is 15 now, which is kind of crazy, you know. Just time's going by, by quick, huh? It's just insane, <laughs> but uh, it's just a it's just a blessing to be a husband and a father, and just something that. I never foreseen in my life to be, and it's just something that, you know, as I get older and the more I get to do it, it's just, it's just an incredible experience and it's just a blessing to have that, you know, in my life. But, um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm a Vacaville resident for most of my life and, you know, a Vacavillan for those who've been around for a while, but, um, (laughs) 
Yeah, Cowtown, gr- yeah, son. Cowtown, baby. <laughs> but I grew up here, you know, just just living, and you know, just like you know, most people, you know, I grew up in a pretty healthy home, you know, mom, pops, brothers and sisters, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And you know, for me, um, you know, just playing baseball, basketball, riding the bikes, everything that you know, kids did yeah. in the '80s and the '90s and stuff like that. But you know, it wasn't until like when I started hitting my teens. That's when I started getting a lot of trouble and just you know, in, in Vacaville. You know, um, you know, stealing and and doing drugs and things like that, which progressively got worse in my own life and just hanging out with buddies. And, you know, there's a bunch of dudes on the block and everybody's drinking 40s and smoking weed and and just acting a fool. And just, you know, over the course of time, we we basically formed a gang, you know, and just became one of those little cliques in Vacaville. And just, you know, uh, for a good, I don't know, 10 years or so, just running and acting stupid from the police in and out of jail and just. Just my life was a mess, yeah. you know, and so. Um, what do you think changed, like, when you were saying, like, uh, like playing baseball, playing sports, riding bikes, like, doing the things kids do, and then what's that transition point where it, you know, it starts to change into um, into being, like, an adolescent or young teenager, whatever you want to call it, and starting to kind of get into trouble, you know? I, I think for me, the environment that I lived in, in you know, in Vacaville at the time, and, and this, and there was different neighborhoods in Vacaville, but yeah. um, there was a lots of drugs and just broken homes and people that didn't have supervision and just, you know, my parents were working hard and trying to provide for the family and stuff like that. So during that point in my life, there wasn't a whole lot of supervision for my parents. And so yeah. that's nothing on them. It's just they're, they're trying to provide and things like that. But you know, with just like a bunch of knuckleheads running around, it's just like we found trouble to get into. And, yeah. and as we got older, you know, and you start to kind of become your own man and just kind of find your own way, um, the influence that were around me weren't positive at all. Yeah. You know, a lot of it was influ- influenced by like, say, culture of music and just the things that we were doing just on a day to day basis. And it just, as we got older, it just progressively got worse. And, you know, I got to a place in my life where my parents couldn't control me anymore. You yeah. know, just in and out of the house, barely there, just constantly, like I said, constantly getting in trouble with the police and, you know, just kept getting worse and worse and worse. So. Well, we were talking a little bit before before we got started today and uh, about about one of the events at our church, um, Life Change, and, and there's a common pattern that we both kind of were talking about and from our own experience too, Trevor and I, in, um, in, in having you know, resentments or, or anger or, uh, confusion about our, you know, fathers growing up. And so what I'm getting at, I guess, is there's a lot of, there's a lot of other people out there who, who struggle with the same thing. What maybe it's, maybe it's a mother, you know, it could be a mother or a father for us men. Um, a father is a very important figure in our lives. Uh, it's someone who can help, help guide us, you know, and, and, and show us kind of the right path, how to hold a drill, how to mow a lawn. I mean, just those little things. And, and when that's lacking, um, that can really tend to, to, to kind of jack a kid up man, and, and find different outlets. So, um, you know, with respect to our, our fathers, of course, because they have their own walk and their own, their own deal, which is something I'm, I'm uh, learning still till this day. Um, you know, you bring up a good point without that leadership there, you can tend to get in trouble and start going down, going down that path. Um, so take, like, take us back to, to, um, to maybe like you had already mentioned, you know, getting arrested, going to jail, dealing with the cops, you know, drinking, smoking, using drugs, um, kind of living that lifestyle. Um, how does that progress um, at, at a pace where where you find it finally uh, just kind of realize like, what am I doing? 
Okay. So for me, you know, just like, you know, doing more, uh, you know, starting with weed and, and drinking and stuff like that, just progressively got worse to more harder drugs and more violence. And that's one thing about me. I was very, very violent as a young teen, teenager and a young adult. And it's so funny, dude. Cause I don't, like, I never knew it's fun. <laughs> Here's a funny thing for you listening to like Trevor and I have both lived in Vacaville for most of our lives. Yeah. And we know a lot of the same people, but we never really kicked it or 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 crossed paths when we were younger that I can remember. And he's the nicest, most most <laughs> mellow, like down to earth, like yeah. God loving man. And then so I hear him describe this like he, you know, he was just off the hook and fighting us up. It's hard. It's so hard for me to see you like that. But I'm I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, I no, no, throw that cool, in there cool. because yeah, okay, go go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so I just kind of revisit the past a little bit. Yeah. You know, just kind of give you an example of <laughs> yeah, how, yeah, how I stupid I was, but. Yeah. Um, it's just like, you know, certain things like I got locked up when I was a kid and, you know, served time in, in, in a program that was there for a while. But, um, there was a, there was a situation that where this dude was like messing with me. And mm -hmm. so I didn't want to mess with him, but he was always like, you know, causing problems with all different types of people. So we got into a, an altercation. He thought I did something. I didn't do it. It was legit. And so, but he ended up doing something where he peed all over my locker and all this crazy stuff. And it was like, when you're locked up, you can't be a punk, you know? And so, yeah. And so I just yeah. basically plotted to uh, set them up. We went camping and stuff like that and, and, you know, had some people come and some of my homeboys come and bring them over there and I broke his jaw. And so for three hours or so, we're walking in, in from a mountain uh -huh. and he's just suffering, you know, yeah. it's just like, oh man. I didn't think I hit him that hard, you know? Yeah. So, but just doing different stuff like that, Ooh. hitting people with weapons and just all kinds of stupid, Crazy. violent, Madness. and just, you know, for me, it's just, it was just part of my life. It was part of the yeah. culture. It was, it was accepted. It's like, you know, like even like when people would roll through the neighborhood, we, we, we called it funk back in the day. I don't know mm -hmm. if they call it now, but, uh, you want some funk, so either be I the police or, or some other clip yeah. come rolling through. And so, um, you know, just crazy. So, <clears throat> And so, uh, you know, just, you know, it, it, I had no problems in hurting somebody. And so yeah. if, if, if people like in the neighborhood that I was homeboys with, if they brought the funk, I still had their back. I didn't run. And so yeah. it was just one of those homeboys that didn't turn his back on you. Um, well, that's kind of part of that whole mentality, right? Like that's, you know, back, back to the, the father issue or the parent yeah. issues, um, that becomes kind of your family in a sense, right? Yeah. Especially when you're young and, in, yeah. and very influenceable like that. Um, your homeboys are your people. Like that's who yep. that's who you're relying on. They're relying on you, um, and so you're you're kind of you're kind of in that, like in it full full force, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, they become your family, you yeah. know. And so everybody, you know, as I get older, you you kind of realize this, and you know, people as as they're young, they, they want to belong to something, you know, yeah, they want to be totally. a part of something. So even if the influence is negative and and not a really healthy environment for people. Mm -hmm. They still want to feel like they're part of something. And so where I lived is like we had each other's backs. And so yeah. it didn't matter what we were doing. But like kind of going back to the whole thing with the father and 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 my whole transition, it was in, you know, in 2001. It's basically kind of my story, how it all begins, where my life started to change is like, you know, my at the time that you know, uh, my wife now, but we were pregnant with our first child. So we were just doing stupid stuff. We were together for, for a while leading mm -hmm. up to us getting married and, you know, and just being in the culture that we were, we were in, it's just, it was normal to do whatever we wanted. And yeah. so, so she's pregnant at the time she's clean and sober because, you know, she really wanted to, to focus on having this baby and, you know, how old are you at this time? I was uh 23 at the 23, time. 23. Okay. 22, 23. 
And so, uh, so she's pregnant at the time. And so during this whole time that she's pregnant, it's probably about six months into it or maybe, maybe closer than that. Uh, nine 11 hits mm. buildings come down yeah. and everybody and their mama went to church that weekend. And so for us, we were already introduced to the church that we we currently go to, the Father's House, and uh, so we we went there. You know, it's just like we we needed you know we need to seek God. We don't we don't even know what that is. And so a lot of people went to church that weekend, but for us, when we walked in the doors, we just felt something different. Where coming from the the culture and the environment that I was raised in, it was just like survival, and you know, and just yeah. like it was just death and destruction, and just it was all bad. And so. Walking into the church doors, it was there was something different. You know, I've tried other churches and things like that, but there was something significantly um, how I felt welcomed and loved. Mm. You know, that was something that really struck me, and it really took me back. I'm like, I don't know how to receive this. Do you so we we kind of alluded to this already about, and I think it's such a great point, and it's so true. Is people want to be a part of something? They yeah. want to be included in something. Did you that shift? Like as I'm picturing it now, I'm like looking at you know looking at your your life before the things you're going through. You're a part of this gang, like you're a part of just causing mayhem and chaos, and then all of a sudden you go into this church environment, and now you're a part. Now you can be a part of something, but you can be a part of something that's positive. Yeah. Like what was that change like? That was hard at first, you yeah. Know, because you know, because because one thing that I realized from transitioning from hanging out with all the the homeboys on the block that the really the only thing that we had in common was that joint in our hand. Hmm. When it came down to it, when I started making this transition, we're like, hey, I'm going to pursue God and, and live my life for him. A lot of people rejected what we were doing. Yeah. Or they made fun of us. They're like, oh, this is a fad. This is something that's not going to last very long and just yeah. you know mocked us and all this crazy stuff where it's like, you know what I mean? How do you how do you deal with that? I think that's a that's a huge thing in recovery, yeah. especially for those um, you know who are who are trying to live a new lifestyle and get clean, get sober, and and kind of change the trajectory of their life. They got to cut out a lot of old friends, a yes. lot of environments, a lot of influences. Yeah. Like how how did you deal with that? So for us, me and Treva, thank goodness we did it together. You know, at the beginning, yeah, and so basically we just kind of we were just we isolated ourselves from all of it, mm. and so we basically just just uh, leaned on each other. And then in and through the process, we started building relationships with people, with people at church. Mm. And that's when it's like, for me, I didn't trust anybody. My wife didn't trust anybody. So, you know, opening ourselves up to new relationships and people we don't really know and stuff like that. It took a, it took a process, a good year or so to actually walk through that. Yeah. But once we started doing that, our life started to shift and change and, and we started to build real relationships and people that could speak positively into our life and just people that we knew that truly genuinely and care for us yeah um, yeah it's kind of, it's kind of funny when you when you when you mentioned that too about the relationships the only thing that they had in common was a joint or, yeah. or maybe it's um you know shooting dope or maybe it's uh maybe it's alcohol whatever whatever the the case is and then you kind of step back and realize that all those conversations and all those that time spent and you know i'd be a liar if i said i didn't have some good times you know at, at yeah. some points you know and, and having some fun in my my younger days and stuff too but they're meaningless they're kind of pointless and they're not really building like a solid positive foundation where when you go into and you kind of just um touched on this too surrounding ourselves with positive people and yeah. surrounding ourselves with good influences and surrounding ourselves with people who are also trying to better themselves and their lives and better other people as well. Um, so that being said, you're kind of, you're kind of thrown or jumped into this or you're, you're in it now you're about a year in. Um, how does that start to kind of like, how does, 
how does that that seed gets planted? It starts to kind of grow, and then now it kind of starts to take take shape. Like, where does that go from? Well, there? if I, if I could, if I can take you back to oh, yeah, where, where I came, where I gave my life to to God and, and started following Him, and just and so just we're we're hanging out for for a while at church and getting to know people and, and building relationships like that. And so one night I was invited to go to a Kings Lakers game. You know, mm-hmm. I never been to a basketball game, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, I'll check it out and stuff yeah. like that. But I actually was uh, sitting next to a guy from our church. He was one of the bass players. His name is Brian. And I'm ever grateful to this guy. But um, basically during the whole game, he sat there and I had all these questions about God. and never read the Bible, didn't, didn't understand anything that we were basically walking into. And so I had all these questions. And so he sat down with me the entire basketball game, just talking with me and answering any questions that I had. But the two things that really struck me is uh, he explained uh, two simple things to me, that God is a loving father, which I've never heard that in my entire life, Mm. and that he wants a personal relationship with me. So what happened was I went home that night and I started watching a movie on Jesus and all this stuff, but it was in the moment that he was being crucified. It's like my eyes were open and and God spoke to me. He's like, I did this for you. And what what it translated for me, because growing up in the neighborhood and, and gangs and violence and all those different things like that, what it translated to me was that Jesus is the homeboy that was willing to die for you, mm. that he wouldn't turn his back on you. He would do whatever he needed to do to reach you. And so that for me, I, I was broken. I, I got on my knees weeping and crying. And I, and, I, and I said from that night on, I'm like, Lord, I'm going to give my entire life to you commit everything to you. I know yeah. how much stuff I've done in my life and I don't deserve forgiveness. And, and it just completely transformed me. And so through that process, getting baptized by water, but what really changed my life, this is the the cornerstone of it all, is that one time I was at church and they were preaching on, um, you know, it's in, uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it talks about the gifts of the Spirit and everything like that. And the pastor starts going about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, you know, and, and, and starts going and explaining all these different things. And I've never, I never heard it before, right? So yeah. I go down there, I'm like, I'll check it out, you know? So they're like, come on down, we'll, we'll, we'll pray for you, right? And so... I go down there. I'm just expecting. I don't know what, but go down there. And no joke, as they're praying for me, I felt the fire of God come into my body, and then left that building. Like felt like I was walking on like clouds. It was really, really? strange. Something completely transformed from the inside of me. And then from that day on, like you know, like I struggled with drugs. That was broken off. The addiction to that was broken off in an instance. Um, you know, my whole life growing up, I struggled with pornography and different types of you know, sexual things like that, that was broken off my life. Like, and so, you know, 15 years later, you know, 15, almost 16 years later, there were certain things that were broken off my life from the beginning of my walk with God that I don't revisit. It's not something that it's like, I know I've been set free from it because I know how dark it was. Mm. And so for, for me within that first year, that was the major uh, part that really transformed my life was the baptism of the Holy Spirit and God actually living in my life living in, in my being and living in and through me and started to hear the voice of God and just sensing the presence of God. And so that's really, you know, that's kind of where it started. Well, yeah. You, it sounds like just the ultimate spiritual high almost like yeah. what you're describing that, or, well, I guess not even spiritual high. I guess that is an, an immediate spiritual awakening. And that's one thing that is, um, you know, is stressed on a lot in, in recovery, in uh, 12 step programs, in the church, uh, that spiritual, that spiritual awakening as a person, because we can't really do like, we can't do what we're intended to do if, whether it's try to get clean, try to get sober, try to, um, try to be better, better 
men, women, yeah. um, for other people or for other things, right? We have to do it for ourselves. Yeah. And that's a really tough thing uh, to face sometimes. Like, uh, I, I mean, I know all of us um, have had different challenges in in that in our own right or whatever. Um, what do you, so let's, let, let me, let me back up real quick here for just a second, because there may be people out there listening, um, you know, who, who question God, right? Who, who question, um, maybe is he, is he real? Is that, I mean, that's, that's the ultimate faith, right? Is, yeah. um, you know, is, is God real? Or maybe they've had a bad experience before. Maybe they were raised in a, in a church, um, or had family where that, that wasn't the best, uh, experience. And so they've kind of turned their back on that. Um, you have a lot, you know, you've, you've dealt with a lot of different men with, um, with a lot of different groups, with a lot of uh, different people who have had their own walks. Um, what is your experience in dealing with that? And what, what kind of can you speak on to someone out there listening who might, who might be feeling that tug in their heart? Cause I know it's, I know it's there in a lot of people, but it's hard to, to bring that out sometimes. Yeah. Like what, what kind of thought do you have on that, Trevor? I think a lot of times too, especially if, you know, your listeners have had a bad experience with church. Cause that, that happens, you know, like, you know, any, the one thing I love about the father's house, they said, there's no perfect people allowed in this building because mm-hmm. we're all messed up. We're all flawed and we all have issues. And so a lot of times if you've had a bad experience with church, it's, it's due to the person. It's not due to the character and nature of God. Yeah. It's a, a, a you know, a bad representation of who he is. And so if you can get around people that are truly filled up with the spirit that are walking out the things that God has walked, you know, having them walk out and they're truly walking, you know, hand in hand, foot to foot with God. There's something that different that comes out of that. You know, it's like for me, I know in my own personal life, this is my walk. This is not something that I'm doing for my wife. I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm living my life in such a way to influence my kids and, and people around me and my workplace and things like that. But Ultimately, when I when it's all said and done, it's my personal relationship with God, and so I, I've learned that if you're around people like that and you find the authentic Christian, you know, yeah. someone that's truly following after Christ, there's something that's just it's, there's good fruit out of their life, and there's just there's just something that's really positive yeah. and encouraging, and just it's something that we all need. Um, for people that you know, for me, like like I said, I you know, I, I don't really, I didn't have an experience with God. I didn't have a, a church background. I didn't have anything like that. So I didn't have any reference to God. I see. Um, yeah. Coming to the point where I started coming to church after nine eleven, all that stuff. It's, and so, what for me, it's like if if any of your, li- uh, I would say your listeners out there would have questions about God and stuff like that. I would just say, you know, just start to pray. I mean, you know, really, if you do have something in your heart that you're like questioning, is God for real? That's one thing I started to do. I started to, God, are you real? You know, are yeah. you, are you, do you exist? And one thing that's really important, you know, is, is that I started digging in the Bible. Yeah. You know, cause growing up, I didn't have any questions. I mean, I didn't have any, nothing to reference off and stuff like that. And so I started, as soon as I gave my life to him, I didn't know anything about him. So I'm like, I need to seek yeah. out what the word says about him. And so by doing that and, and praying like, God, can you show me yeah. who Christ is? Um, show me things about, you know, eternal life and heaven and hell and different things that, you know, I was questioning and like, God, can you show me? And so him being faithful and just little by little showing me in different parts of scripture, yeah, just kind of painting this beautiful picture of just like, wow. I mean, just like he exists and he's real. So well, and, and the, and the prayer, I want to stress too, it doesn't, 
have to be perfect. Like I still sometimes don't know what the heck I'm doing. I'm yeah. still just, sometimes mm-hmm. my prayer is just, God, I don't know what I'm doing right now. And <laughs> I don't even know how to express this, but yeah. just, you know, just, just kind of, let me just sit back and just kind of get in the moment with you, you know? Yeah. And, um, it even, it takes a, a, a bit even for me to, um, uh, you know, to, to do that in the time, because you feel, st- I feel stupid sometimes, you know what I mean? I feel like I, Oh, and that goes back to, you, you can kind of get in that, that, that moment of feeling not good enough. And that brings yeah. me back to this other point I want to talk to you about too, about back to the perfection thing. A lot of the feedback that, that I hear or that I, um, that I sense sometimes is that, Oh, if you, if you're a Christian or if you go to church or if you are trying uh, and if you are living out this pursuit and I, I, I'm very careful to say pursuit because I'm jacked up too. And I still have terrible days sometimes and it sucks, but I'm doing, you know, I try to do a little bit better each day. Um, but it's not perfection. And that's, I think that that when we can kind of, when I was able to kind of get over that and understand that like, I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to attempt to, and I'm going to follow that yeah. pursuit. That's what keeps me coming back, you know? So, um, it's not about being perfect though. Right. I guess that's nope. just kind of what I, what I want to stress because I, I hear that so often and like, God will take you in like at any point, you just have to be ready to do yeah. that. Like you're, if you're going to sit back and wait and wait and wait and wait till the time, the time is never perfect. The time will never be perfect. The time that's perfect is right now. Yeah. You, would you agree on that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, if it, the thing what's beautiful about, like, if you really study scripture, that almost every single person that God used was completely mm-hmm. jacked up. I <laughs> mean, there is no perfect people in the Bible except for Christ. You know, he's the one that set the example, and he's the one that, you know, even him coming to the earth, living as a man and doing the things that he did, he showed us how to live our life that we can live like him. Yeah. We're not perfect, but so many people, whether it be from King David, Moses, I mean, Moses was a murderer. King David was a murderer. He was an adulterer. There was so many different things that you you see from people, you know, even like a, a, a friend of mine, I was talking to him recently about, he's starting to to read the Bible for his first time, really, really go through it. And, and I said, what's the one thing that really is sticking out to you? He goes, there's no perfect people. Yeah. Everybody's jacked up that God used and nobody, everybody has issues and stuff like that. And so... You know, I think that's not the goal. I don't strive to be perfect at all. I just strive to know God better. Yeah. You yeah, know, and like awesome. my my goal in life is to know him better and to do whatever it is that he has me to do in this lifetime. You know, primarily some of the things like currently is just, you know, A, be a good husband. Yeah. You know, be a good father, be a good steward of my time, be a good steward of my my workplace and just the things that I have in my life that this life is fleeting. It's short. And so what I do with it is so important. And so, yeah, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fail, but I'm going to get back up and keep walking. Yeah. You know, I yeah. think that's, that speaks to recovery as well. It's like, you can't just give up. You can't just, you know, just, you know, I fell down this one time. I'm just going to fall back into it, but it's just like, you know, anything. And so for me, I know, and I know many other people can speak. This is like, you know, in your pursuit of God, if, if, you know, some of your listeners decide to go this route, is that I know that in his presence and in pursuing him, there are certain addictions and things in your life that whether it be from pornography, uh, drug addiction, alcohol, uh, past wounds and, and things that we struggle with, those are things that God can heal in your heart. Because really, and that's that that's something kind of wanted to talk about. It's like, yeah. 
you know, as I get older, I'm a father now. And, and, you know, as I, you know, my, as I, as my kids get older and, and, and feeling the weight of the responsibility, cause they're becoming teenagers and, yeah. and things are getting real, you know, and just like, it's easy when they're little, you know, they're just like, you know, whatever, but just, put is the, it? cause put I the, complain about that. See, <laughs> you know, to... put the cartoons on and, you know, feed yeah, them whatever a and couple diapers. diapers. Yeah. But when they get older and you start, you start to see their character and their people, the thing that they're doing, you're raising people. And yeah. so, yeah. you know, for me feeling the weight of that, it's like I want to raise some some healthy uh, adults, you know, eventually be adults into this life, and I really want them to make an impact in their own world. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of what one thing. It really, uh, you know, as I get older and looking, and uh, even you were talking about life change and stuff like that. The one common thing, because you know, I helped out this time around, and it was different looking from a perspective of like someone that go goes to the event mm-hmm. to someone that's helping out in the event, and it really hit me hard because. You know, there's a part of it where you go through different things of forgiveness and, you know, walking in purity and just different stuff like that. But the part that really, and I shared this with you earlier, is where you kind of stand in the gap for somebody. So say somebody needs to forgive somebody and that person's passed away. Mm -hmm. You can't physically go to them anymore or you can't do anything. But there was this wound or there's this past... um, you know, um, hurt. hurt or resentment or yeah, something, something yeah. that it's so like so deep that, and so what you do is you stand in the gap for them. You, you know, they come up to you, look you dead in the eyes and say, I forgive you so-and-so. And one thing oh, that really struck me was like a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the men were coming up to me and it was their dad. Yeah. You know, certain things with their dad. And so, um, for me, the, the weight and the responsibility as a father in the home, you know, and mother plays a, a very vital part, but the tremendous impact that a father has on a child, it's, it, it's really like, it's really heavy on my heart. And it's yeah. just like something that I know God's kind of stepping me into to, to mentor and to lead and to kind of figure it out as I go, how to be a good dad and a father, you know, just, just a, not just someone that pays the bills, but actually someone that pours into and invests into children, other men, and just like kind of yeah. leading people like that, you know? No, and it's 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 so hard too um, to kind of grasp the uh, the importance of that. Sometimes I think we I think we know it, but when you get caught up in the day to day grind of just like you mentioned, trying to pay the bills, like you know the the like I have my role and my wife has her role, and together you know we have our our combined roles. Um, but sometimes it's easy to get lost in that. That's one thing that kind of struck me as I got older and reflecting back on my life that I used to live in, in the environment that I live, uh, the majority, I would say the majority of the dudes that I used to kick it with, they didn't have a dad. Mm. Or if they had a dad, he was really abusive or just really jacked up and just, you know, so a lot of times it was the absent father, yeah. you know, or no father at all. And just the, the outcome of that, it just, it's so tremendous, you know, and just like, you know, it, it just for a man in, in general, but, you know, kind of like if you lean on for the, for the female, yeah. You know, uh, you know, the, the female looks to the father is like, what type of man should I look for? Yeah. yeah you know what I mean? Really what, what type of man, how should a man treat me? And so like, for me, it's like learning how to do that. You know, there's no manual when you, when you have kids and stuff like that. And, and, you know, you only kind of lean on the references that you have, you know, from when you were a kid or different people that you've interact with in your life and stuff like that. And you try your best to do all that stuff. And, but for me, that's what kind of like, 
I just get to a place. I'm like, God, teach me. Yeah. <laughs> God, teach me how to do this because I don't know how. Well, how, how, how do, how do you start dealing with, um, past hurts and past resentments? I mean, that's something that, that, um, has prohibited me and I'm still learning through, uh, you know, working through some of them. And I mean, if anybody out there would say, oh, I don't have a resentment of some sort, um, you know, there's, there's probably very few, I mean, there's always something that has happened or that we've done or that someone's done to us that has hurt us, that has offended us. It could be something as, as stupid as somebody cutting you off on the freeway and flipping you off and let it, you let it ruin your day. Um, I've had, I've had plenty of those, you know, and it's so stupid, but how do we kind of work through some of those? Like, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I know for me, it's like, um, you know, when I, when I really look back, and, 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 I, and I get to that night where, you know, I'm on my knees and I'm crying. I'm asking for forgiveness. I knew the weight of what I was forgiven from. Hmm. You know, I got locked up and I, and I did time for different things. But the majority of the stuff that I did, I never got caught for. Yeah. And so I just knew how much sin and how much stuff that I did in my life were just like I didn't de- deserve forgiveness. And so when it comes to people that have like hurt you or cause pain in your life, you know, ultimately forgiveness is for you. It's yeah. not for that person because the person that hurt you, they just moved on. They're not even tripping. They're just like, yeah. they moved on with their life, but it's, it binds you into a prison. And, and what it does is that when you truly let them go and, and, and set them free by forgiving them, which is hard to do. It's not, I'm not, I'm not just saying it's easy to do, but yeah. what it does is it sets you free. And, and the only way to, in, in, you know, from my experience, and I'm only speaking from my experience and, and, and encountering God and the different things that he's been doing in my life is like, you have to experience the forgiveness from God, which is unconditional. It's a hundred percent. It's just, he just, he holds nothing against you. And so understanding the weight of what that is, and then you weigh in the weight of what someone's done to you. It's like, I really don't have the right to be offended or hold past um, hurts against people because I've been forgiven for so much in my own life, you know? And so, um, that's part of it. You know, I think, you know, and just walking through the whole process, there's a, you know, there's lots of different resources and, you know, I know you have lots of resources and stuff like that, but I think it like, you know, being around people that can help you walk through it is a huge thing, you know, community, community. I mean, it's so important to have people in your life, positive people that can speak truth, that can pray for you. They can, they can walk alongside you. Even if they're not saying anything, they're just listening. Well, I think you, I think you had even pointed, pointed this out to me um, early on when when we kind of started getting to know each other better and talking about, you know, isolation is, is the, the, you know, one of the main weapons of, of the enemy, right. Yeah. To isolate us, to keep us held back, to keep us in our own minds. And it, just like you mentioned, imprisoned from whether it's resentments or hurts or addictions or whatever it is. So in order to, to kind of work through those, it's so important. And I know how hard it is sometimes too, because in the last year of my, my addictions to drugs and alcohol and when when it was when it was getting really really bad, I did not want to be around anybody. Yeah. I wanted to be alone with some some alcohol and some dope, and that was it. And I didn't want anybody else around me. I just wanted to be by myself. And we talk about you know getting out of those environments and going into communities like twelve step programs, like churches, like uh, men's or women's groups, being around friends and influences who are positive people who um, can lift us up instead of bringing us down. That's such, such an important, it's, it's so important. I said such twice mm-hmm. um, that 
you know, in, in order for us to to kind of break free uh, from those tra- from those chains, um, Trevor, you're you know you're a huge a, a, a great example of this too of bringing men together and and your wife Treba as well, bringing women together, creating communities, um, you know, inside and outside of the church where you're you're doing service work, um, you're helping people, you're offering um, your house up. Um, talk a little bit about that because that's something that I know is super important to you and you, and your wife and your family. Um, and I know that that's helped really connect you guys to God and keep you doing some of God's work as, um, as you guys kind of move forward. Yeah. So, um, ever since we've been going to the, the father's house, we've been there for, like I said, about 15, 16 years now. Um, I just wanted to get, you know, give back, you know, I wanted to get plugged in and I know that one of the biggest ways for people to kind of get out of what they're in, you know, if, yeah. it's, if they're struggling with something is to pour into someone else's life, you know, to, yep. to give and to serve and to uh, be a part of other people's lives that maybe sometimes, you know, and I've experienced this where I'll be doing something and then all of a sudden this person comes walking alongside of me and they've gone through what I've gone through. Mm. And I've been able to offer what I, you know, the things that I've experienced and how I've walked through it and it ministers to them. Yeah. And so for me, you know, like uh, for, for, you know, just kind of go through a couple of things that I've done in the last um, I don't know, about five or six years, you know, one of the biggest things was, um, you know, coming back from the neighborhood that I came out of and, you know, it's about 10 years in, in with my walk with God, uh, you know, uh, God did a couple of like, it was like a, a, a series of events where it's just like, okay, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? You're kind of setting <laughs> something up. And so through prophetic words and prayer and just God sensing things on my heart. And so what happened was, is that at our church, we started this outreach program, didn't know anything about it. And, and through that process, we did a fast and stuff like that. That's something too. I encourage your, your listeners, if they've never done that before, that's something that's really powerful where you just fast and pray and seek God. If you know, for those who, who believe in Jesus, but, um, what 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 happened was I was at church one day and this one uh, this guy from the from L.A. his name's Matthew Barnett he's from the Dream Center he started this whole mm. thing kind of shares this whole thing about what they do down in there twenty four seven recovery saving people and just doing all types of amazing outreach in the in the city of Los Angeles and so when he was preaching on it I'm like that's what I want to do with my life I want to serve in that way and so yeah. I contacted one of our pastors of the church kind of share with him my story and just kind of where I came from and where I am now. He's like, hey, I want you to pray about it, but maybe you should go back to your old neighborhood and serve. I'm like, what you talking about? <laughs> what you talking about going back to my old neighborhood? No, 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 no. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of uh, bad history. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. So let, let me let me stop you right there really fast. And, and we're going to jump right. We're going to jump right back into you going back to your old neighborhood. But first, for those out there listening who don't know, I think this is you, you've been there. You've experienced it firsthand. Talk a little bit about the Dream Center, what it is and what what they're serving out there in, in Los Angeles. Okay. So right off the bat, if you go to dreamcenter.org, they have, it's a, it's their website and it's got so much resources. If you guys want to learn more about them, but I'll put that in the show notes too, guys. And so, um, dream center, you know, they started over 20 years ago and, and basically, um, young white pastor from Arizona going hitting the streets of uh, Los Angeles is like, you know, it just, it was very, um, very difficult for him. He's like, what am, what am I doing here? Why am I even here doing this and yeah. stuff? So, and so, uh, for about a good year or so, he was just like trying to invite people to church and very, he's very energetic and very amazing, uh, man of God. And so 
nothing was happening. Nothing was moving. It wasn't until he started bringing food, a couple of grocery bags to a neighborhood. People love to eat. And so started loving on people without any agenda and mm-hmm. started just bringing, bringing food to the neighborhood, which over the course of time, he's got some pretty amazing story where the, where the Cholos took him in and there, that, that was, that was his protection. That's like, that's our pastor on the block and really, and all that stuff. It's just really cool stuff. He used to bring his uh, desk out on the street and that was his basically his office, you know? And so, really? and so um, <laughs> but you know, over the course of time and different people, they would reach out from what, whether it be from sex trafficking or, uh, you know, uh, homelessness or single mothers. They basically just, they transformed this 400,000 square foot um, old Catholic hospital, which that in, is, in itself is, a, is an amazing story, how they even got that building. And they transformed it into a place to help people. Mm-hmm. And it's just so incredible what they do there. They help veterans. They, they have a, a food truck ministry that goes out like two times a day, four times a week, and just bringing food to neighborhoods. And they got their Adopt-A-Block program and all these different things that they do where it's the it's the hands and feet of Jesus in a literal sense, where it's just yeah, like yeah. they're out there doing what 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 the Lord says for us to do is to help the least of these, and so they're a living, breathing uh, organi- um, organization that does that. And, and they're also active on Skid Row, right? Yes, of yeah, just, that's I mean, another that's thing they do. Yeah, some some of the some of the hardest uh, spots on the streets of of Los Angeles um, of drugs and crime. Um, they're out there basically in the trenches getting after it. Yeah, and the majority of people that, that serve there or on are on staff are people that they've rescued. Really? So it's like this this whole yeah, uh, full circle of where they've reached out, they they've done the thing that God asked them to do, and now this person gets, you know, they get saved and they start walking with God and their life gets restored and now they're like, I want to help another person. Yeah. And so that's what's beautiful about that whole place. It's just like it's just a it's just it's organic in the sense where it's just like it's just something um it just it just beats the heart of God all over. Well that you city. you bring up a great point there too in the fact that and we talk a lot about this in in recovery programs um it too is is service work and, and you already alluded to it earlier. That's how uh, we get out of our own yeah. like when I like my sponsor will tell me like if I'm if I'm caught up in my own head and I'm doing and I'm 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 in it and I can't get out of it, you know the first thing is always to go help somebody. That's what's going to get you over yourself because that's a, it's a selfish thing. We're selfish. We're human beings. There's we're selfish tendencies. I know I am. Um, so that that's huge in the fact of, of giving back. And then I guess that'll kind of lead us into, um, and thank you for, for telling us about the dream center and stuff too. Like I said, we'll put dreamcenter.org in the show notes if anyone wants to check it out. So they, you, you get a word to go back to your old neighborhood. So kind of pick up from there, Trevor. So, yeah. So, um, you know, I went home, told my wife, she's like, I don't know about that. <laughs> and, so, and so it was just kind of a struggle yeah. for, you know, for a minute, but you know, I just went and prayed about it. I'm like, God, if you want me to do that, then I'm, I'm going to be obedient to it. You know? Yeah. And so I said yes to it. And so stepping, stepping in that direction, um, you know, I wouldn't think that, you know, God rescued me out of this place and now he wants me to come back and serve it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of this interesting uh, oxymoron thing where it's just like I used to cause death and destruction and nothing but yeah. bad. Now God wants me to bring a blessing. Yeah. Which was really like, wow, only God can do that, you know, and only God orchestrates certain things like that. And so uh, so I, I said yes to it. And so I started serving and started, you know, going back to my old neighborhood. And by then a lot of the people moved out. A lot of the people that were knuckleheads are all gone. So the whole entire yeah. environment was different, huh. which is like a lot of families working and stuff like that. And just people struggling, you know? And so 
bringing the food, building the relationships. And so just for me, it was just like, it was such a, a breath of fresh air. It's just like, wow, you know, God, you want to use my life like this? It's just like, I didn't feel worthy of you know yeah. doing that. And so what was really neat about it is like about a three and a half years into the whole process of me serving out there in the neighborhood, um, I ran into this young man. I kind of wanted to share the story with yeah. you guys because it's it's kind of just shows you the whole full circle of how how sometimes things um, happen. And and so I I you know we're we're um, I built this relationship with one of the moms on the neighborhood, and we used to bring her f- uh, food there. And she had a hard time getting out the house, so we'd bring her food to the house. And so um, you know going over there, and then so one day she's like, "Can you help my son? He's a knucklehead, and you know he's struggling, <laughs> and he just you know just dr- yeah. she was driving going nuts, and and so." Knock on the door and he's hung over on the couch. He's like, I don't want to talk to this guy. You know, yeah. I'm shamed. I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you. So just through uh, consistency of just showing up to his house, you know, blessing his mom. And he became my friend, you know, just starting to talk with him and stuff like that. And then over the course of time, I earned his trust. Hmm. And so he really was struggling with alcohol and drug addiction and just past, uh, things that he's done in his own life, crime and different stuff like that. And so just basically it was a reflection of my own self. You know, he was the same exact age as me, 23 at the time, in the same neighborhood, struggling with some of the same stuff. It's crazy. But what's interesting about this whole situation that nobody came to my neighborhood and shared like this with me. And so God gave me this opportunity to build this relationship with this guy. And so over the course of time, he started coming to church. He has, he's like, I'm ready. I want to get baptized. So I ended up got an opportunity to baptize him. But in and through that process, I went on a mission trip and I came back and he's missing. I'm like, where'd this dude go? You know, he just, (laughs) he disappeared. So I, I talked to his mom and she told me that he checked himself into a Christian-based rehab. Uh-huh. It's called God Will Provide. It's up in Sacramento. And it's interesting because it's a Russian-founded uh, um, ministry. And he's like the only Mexican dude in this whole place that's full of <laughs> Russians. He's like, why am I here? You know? And so, and so it was really cool about it. So he checks himself in, you know, just just all drugged out and everything like that and just struggling and you know, thinking he wants to do this, that, and the other. But it's just like really what he needed was an encounter from God. Yeah. And so he checked himself into this program, and then in six months, he graduates. It's a year-long program. Oh, wow. So he just is- Fast track. It's fast track, and he's thriving. He's doing <laughs> yeah. very well. And then within a, about nine-month period to a year, they had him running the whole place. Really? He was the whole director of the whole facility, and then just like just seeing this rapid growth in his life, like, wow, just seeing him blossom because he was in the right environment. Yeah. He had, you know, he had the right soil to grow, and God was really moving on his life. And so- um, you Who know, would have thought God take a Mexican guy and have him run a Russian <laughs> yeah. rehab, man? It's uh, it's, it's it's cool. And so they yeah, they took him from things. they took him from the director, and then then he transitioned to uh, leading that, but also transitioning their podcast into Spanish from Russian to to Spanish. Really, and then they started having him preach and stuff like that. And so within about a year and a half ago, they they commissioned him to lead a church in Vacaville. Really, so to kind of start something there, where now his long term <laughs> goal is to actually build a rehab center like that in Vacaville. And he's in the process of that where maybe it'll be for women at first and then yeah. it'll transition into men. But it was really cool that, you know, within the last year or so, and I'm, I'm telling you, this is fast track, like two yeah, years. I mean, two years period. He he got saved. He started serving God. Life completely transformed, clean and sober, radically changed from the inside. And now with about uh, last September, he got married. He's mm-hmm. got a wife now. And now he's influencing other people's lives. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, it's just one person that, that was obedient, you know, nothing, no glory to me. It's just like, I was just being obedient to God, 
but God gave me an opportunity to share what I had. So talk, you know? so I, I th- and that's a great story too, because, um, it really, I think it really, it, it shows the progress from a to, you know, when you're, when you're starting on the couch, hungover, yeah. leave me alone, isolating back what we talked about, um, you know, to following, to following God's plan in a sense for him and being able to, you know, come out and now looking at starting a rehab in Vacaville, which man, I went through this, you know, recently trying to get, uh, help a friend get into a detox center or rehab. And it's, 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 t- I know it's tough around the country right now. There's a lot of people advocating for, you know, uh, for certain healthcare and, and better, um, you know, uh, uh, better options for people who don't have insurance, all that kind of stuff. That's a much needed thing. So, I mean, that's huge. Um, Man, I totally forgot what I was going to say now. I had, mm. I, saw, I thought I had such a profound, such a great point to say, and I, I totally slipped. Uh, I receive it, man. I receive slipped, it. You got it. Oh, no, I got I'm it. Doing. I got it. So you just helped me. You just helped me. Um, so you had said um, being obedient, right? And yeah. being um, and listening. And I talked about this recently with somebody about that inner voice, that that gut feeling. People will call it, you know, different things. A gut feeling, God, um, you know, listening to that inner voice uh, inside of you. Like how... How does somebody get to to learn that? Like, how do you get to learn to listen to that? Because it seems to me, in my own experience, it's been um, it's been a, a process, and I'm still learning learning it. And I would refer to it back in the day as, oh, I just had a gut feeling. You know, now I kind of look at it differently. Like, I got a word from God. Like, how how would somebody know like where they're at with that? I guess. Well, I think you know, you kind of yeah. That's a, that's a very important question. I get that a lot from different people, but. Um, you know, it kind of it kind of goes back to what I what I shared is like I got baptized by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, the very presence of God lives in my body. You know, God dwells inside of me. So, having Him inside of me, it you know, Jesus said that they will know my voice. My sheep will know my voice. So, when you become a child mm-hmm. of God, you can hear the voice of God. You know, some people call it the you know your gut feeling or whatever. You know, for me, it's the voice of God. You know, directing and guiding, but also. Um, hearing the voice of God, it it coincides with knowing the word of God, Mm. because this is something that he's given to men that's inspired by him. It's been thousands, 6,000 years of just written through prophets and different teachers and different things like that, that all lines up. If you study it out, it's, it's absolutely amazing how um, incredible the scripture is, you know? And so if you know the word of God and you know, the voice of God, you can determine whether or not he's speaking to you because in on that same note that the more you press into God, you can determine the voice of the enemy as well. Ah, I see. Okay. So when you, when you're pressing into God and you, and you're starting to hear his voice and starting to learn what that is and how to do that, um, the word of God is always going to be positive, encouraging. Uh, it's going to be leading you at times. It's going to, you know, be, um, at times it's going to be, uh, correcting you because he's your father. You know, we just don't let our kids do whatever. You know, yeah. at times as a father, I'm going to discipline my kids. Yeah. So he's going to, at times, you know, the word calls chastise or rebuking or different things like that. But God in his love will do certain things to get your attention. But the enemy is always out for shame and, and destruction. And he's always like blaming you for something or make you feel guilty for something. Or yeah. he's always making you revisit the past, look at what you did and all that stuff. And so it's just a constantly negative um 
voice that's over you that has nothing good. I, I had always, I had always described it, uh, especially early on in when I got when I got sober, as like the um, this battle between good and evil. Do yeah. you think all of us have like a good and an evil side? Like I, you know, I've always, I've always kind of felt in my own that like there's 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 definitely those two voices and now i'm coming to understand a little bit more about what what those things are in my own you know to, to me um but at the same time there there's this thing and maybe you've experienced this too with your with your past when you were younger as this just like rebellious um want to get in some like chaos like i i embrace chaos at some point too like i almost enjoy it I almost yeah. enjoy the sense of like self destruction um, is that, is that like a natural thing or is that sh- a straight like force that is, you know, obviously it's very powerful, um, that can only be kind of, um, combated by, by God. Well, that's a, you really hit on a really good subject because, you know, when the Bible talks about us that we're born into sin. Mm-hmm. So if you believe in sin and in the fall of man and things that the Bible talks about like that, is that there's this there's this, uh, this thing that we're born with and it's, and they call it sin. And basically apart from Christ, it controls your life. And so mm-hmm. you're bound by this prison. And basically, Satan, basically the enemy, um, has full rights to who you are. You know, he may not be like, you know, you watch videos of people demon possessing, whatever. It might not be like that. But like when you're young, especially if you, you know, you know, I don't get me wrong. I had a lot of fun being stupid. I mean, yeah. it's just, yeah. you know, I had a lot of fun <laughs> and too. there was a lot of glory days and all that stuff. But, you know, looking back, I'm like, my goodness, <laughs> yeah. what was I doing? You know, <laughs> but um, what happens is that, it, you know, and it really goes through this in the book of Hebrews. And I really would encourage people if they've never read that book before, it really breaks down who Christ is, what he did and what he accomplished on the cross. Mm. And basically what happens is when he died on the cross, he paid for your debt, for your sin. And when he rose from the dead, uh, he redeemed you. And so what happens is when you give your life to him and you get, you get filled with the Holy Spirit, the power of sin gets broken off your life. Mm. The power that controls you. It talks about like uh, prior to Christ, we have this like thing that kind of like, um, like a, uh, how would they describe it? They describe it like like basically... You had no authority over it. You had this thing dwelling in your body that you had no control. Yeah. And so what Jesus does, he comes and he sets you free from that. He gives you the ability to walk in the fullness of of what God has for you and the ability not to walk in sin anymore. You have the ability still to sin, Yeah. but you have now the ability to walk in freedom because of what he did. it's a choice, right? It's a choice now. Prior to Christ, you don't have that. You have something that controls your life. You talk about, you know, the, the, the war against good and evil and all that stuff. Yeah. Really, it's God versus the devil, and, and you're kind of caught in the middle. Yeah. And when you give your life to Christ, it's like you you get a target put on your back, A, because you're entered into the, you know, it's, it's basically you're entered into a war. It's a war. Yeah. And basically, your, your flesh is basically your human desires and lust and things that we crave as human beings that are a lot of times can be really evil. You know, you look at the world and and the state that it's in, a lot of people do a lot of wicked stuff. And so, and when you, when you are pursuing after God, there's a struggle, you know, it's like, Oh man, do I, do I do this thing that I know I shouldn't be doing? Paul talks about that. He's like, I do the things that I don't want to do, but I, you know, I have this desire to do the good, but I can't, you know? And so there's this, this inner, inner war that's happening all the time. You know, it doesn't sleep. And so, with Christ, he gives you the ability to walk in that freedom and to be set free from that. 
Here, here, here's a good, uh, a very common question I think too, um, that just kind of, just kind of arose, is like, how do you, how do you address? And I'm not sure that there's a specific answer for this. I'm just kind of starting, you know, maybe starting a conversation about it. But you hear a lot. Um, I've heard a lot. Well, if God was real, if there was a God, then why do bad things happen? Like why, like you just alluded to, you know, there's some evil things out there and and there is, and I, it, it, like, it breaks my heart sometimes. Some of the things that I hear, I'm just like, I just wish I didn't hear that. Like, how could people, how could somebody do that? You know, how, like, why, why does that kind of thing happen? Um, like what, is there an explanation for that? I mean, what, like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, curious. you always, you got to go back to, to Genesis three, where it talks about the fall man and. And basically from that point on, prior to that, God gave the whole dominion of the planet Earth to man. Like rule over it, take care of it, water the plants, and just just tend to the garden. Yeah. You know, the Garden of Eden story. And with the whole thing where, where Adam sinned, he fell into temptation, he ate of the fruit, and God told him don't. And same thing with Eve, basically gave their full rights as dominion over the planet to the enemy. Okay. And so from that point on, sin entered into the planet, they died, uh, and everything got bad. Cain and Abel, some of you guys might mm-hmm. be familiar with that story, the first murder. And just from that point on, all the way up to the flood, it just got getting worse and worse and worse. And so there was this, um, you know, like, you know, when people say, why, well, why does God allow this? And, you know, why does God allow all these different things to happen? It's like, you got to understand, you got to have the perspective of that you live on a fallen planet. Things happen. People are wicked. People do whatever they want. God gives us a free will, you know. And so God is not going to make robots. He's going to get. He's going to. He's going to create people that have to choose to love Him, mm. you know. And people that are truly walking in in relationship and freedom that is in Christ, they're not going to do stuff like that, you know. It's it's really it's just uh, you know it just really speaks to the the you know we're not just created out of some blob we're just yeah you know what i mean yeah. so there, there's this there's there's certain things in life that you can't explain by science like love i mean that you cannot scientifically prove that you know you can't scientifically prove you have a mind and so there's certain things <laughs> in life that are unexplainable yeah and so with good and evil there's very evidence that that, that it's out there but it's really i think it's from whatever perspective you're coming from yeah you yeah know? No, I, I appreciate uh, your thoughts on that too. I know, um, and 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 uh, you know, this this is one of the great things I love about about doing the podcast, man. Is that um, you know we get to kind of open these conversations up. Like none of these questions or anything that we've had have been scripted. Like we're just completely just rolling off, and and we and we really get to touch on some good things. So I just want to tell you, I appreciate you being open and sharing your thoughts and um, and kind of participating in this, man. It's good stuff. I want to kind of circle it back, and we'll wrap this thing up. Um, what is, you know, what, what is your life like today, man? Like, what do you get to share? Like, what are, you know, what are some of the amazing things that have, that have gone on since you've um, been able to overcome addiction, since you've been saved and since you've been able to participate and really be just, a, um, a, an amazing man in uh, your family and in our community? You know, it's been a, it's been a pretty incredible journey. I mean, even like for six, seven years of my walk with God, you know, it's your, your, your life isn't perfect, you know? And yeah. so you walk through difficulties and I walked through a lot of different, really hard times, 
pursuing God, loving him, but like life was going to hell. I mean, it's just like, it just didn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. And, but at the same time, I'm like, God, this is not my life anymore. You know, I, I've committed everything to you and I want to serve you and, and pursue after you and whatever you have for my life. And I've, and the one thing I've learned that if you don't give up, you just keep going, just, you know, if you fall down, you, you, if you stumble and you fall, get back up. And just keep walking that. And so what I've what I've what I've noticed over the years is like God just keeps showing up. You know, He keeps molding, shaping things in me. And and one thing that uh what's been I think the most important thing um with my journey with the last 15 years is that there's a lot of areas in my heart that God's healed. Mm. You know, a lot of past things that I'm ashamed of. It's like, you know what, I've been forgiven. You know, I've been I've been I've been set free from all the the guilt and shame and you know, and, and my life is completely transformed from the inside out. And, and yeah. a lot of what that is, is like out of the overflow of that, you know, out of my wife's life and in my life, it, it influences my kids. You know, they're starting to, you know, they're growing up in a, in a healthy environment uh, with church and, you know, they're, they're really good citizens. I mean, it's just like, yeah. I'm really, I'm really blessed right. to see how, how their lives are starting to turn out, especially for my 15 year old. And that's a really, that's a difficult age, you yeah, know, it's a crucial ninth age. grade. And, and just, she's gets up in the morning. She, she prays, she reads her Bible. She actually encounters God on her own. Je- Jess actually told me after, um, at, uh, what was it? They went to this last event. It was the, the, the uh, encounter. encounter. Yeah. And she sat next to your daughter yeah. and she came home or I think it was that next morning. And, and she told me she, how, how amazing it was to see, um, you know, just a 15 year old girl, just so, uh, hungry for God and yeah. just willing to pour out. It's, it, she, it, it was really cool to hear. So that's awesome. It's yeah. Awesome so, stuff. I mean, you know, it's like everything that I, I, you know, I kind of shared this with you earlier. It's like the way I've, I've always approached my life. It's like, I'm living before him. Yeah. You know, whether I'm going through difficult times or have a difficult job or just life ain't the way that I, I like it to be, I'm, I'm going to live before him. And so out of the overflow of that, you know, it's just like uh, my family's blessed. You know, I just God has taken me through some really difficult seasons. But now I'm, you know, at a place in my life where it's just like I just feel like it's getting started, you know, and just yeah, like thing, cool. it's just amazing. And just, you know, just like for me being clean and sober, it's just like a lot of those things I haven't even touched. It's just like been broken off my life and just yeah. the freedom in that. And so I've had the opportunity now where if I get the opportunity to, to pour into another person's life, I, I, that's what I live for to see people touched yeah. by God and just be used by him. And, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is in my life that God has for me. But, you know, I've gone on mission trips. I've led mission trips. I, you know, did community outreach for a long time and, and just, uh, you know, doing small groups and just, just staying busy with the things that God has for me. I ain't got time for all that other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, being focused (laughs) on raising my uh, family healthy, pouring into my local church, doing, doing the things that I know that are beneficial and, and really knowing that my days are short. Everybody gets the same 24 hours in the same day. And so what I do with that is important. And yeah, so just really yeah. being, being selective and how I do things now. So two, uh, two common themes, uh, that have shown up in this conversation. I have been taking some notes. So we've been, we've been kind of going through this, um, showing up, which Trevor, you, you mentioned a couple of times and don't give up. So I just want to leave that with everyone out there listening today, show up and don't give up because, um, even if you don't feel like, like, like being there or doing what you're supposed to be doing, doing the next right thing, putting one foot in front of the other. Um, if you don't show up, you're not going to be able to, to live out where you're supposed to, uh, where you're supposed to go. And if you give up, um, you're never going to get there. That's uh, that's pretty obvious. So show up and don't give up. 
Um, but thank you, thank you for uh, for coming on today and sharing. And uh, man, thank you for being just a, a good uh, a good leader, a good mentor, and a good friend. Man, I appreciate it. Thank you, man. If you want to help support us, please leave us a review on iTunes. And also, you can go to thatsoberguy.com and support us on Patreon. Thanks for tuning in. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean.